This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and intern George Johnson, where Washington defeated Washington State 31-13 to in front of an announced crowd of 70,931. Game time, three hours and 11 minutes. Seems like that's been within a couple minutes of every game this year. Temperature at kickoff was 41 degrees. It wasn't that bad down there. It was actually pretty nice. Got a little bit cold, but uh, overall, good day, and... Uh, just uh, going off topic a little bit, it was really good to see the third quarter legend, Cason Williams. You know, he's got an infectious smile. He was with his mom, Rhonda, and Husky legend, uh, Aaron Williams. But it was great to see uh, Cason Williams down for the third quarter legend. But, you know, they're bringing back some of these legends, Chris, that uh, don't seem like they've been that long ago or we're just getting old. Yeah, true. And they showed the the jump that he did in the 2011 one at CenturyLink, which I thought was awful, awfully cool. But it is kind of funny because you think of all the guys that are high hurdling guys nowadays, and you just you take it for granted. I mean, when that was happening, that was like the coolest thing ever, you know. And that was just that was eight years ago, so that does feel like a long time. Yeah, just real quick, and then we'll move on to the game. But I had a chance to talk to Kason a little bit, and if I could use one word to describe his feeling today, humbled. He was pretty emotional about being named to the third quarter legend. He was incredibly humbled. Had his family there. So uh, he signed with the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. So look for Kaysen for your hometown XFL team coming soon. I was, so. was going to say too, it, it's not, and it wasn't just for any game too. It was an Apple Cup. Yeah. And for a local kid like that, a kid from Skyline, I think that would mean something a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Big game for Washington. Big win. Monkey off their back. Uh, Washington State won the toss and elected to take the ball and uh, march right down the field, scored a touchdown, and then Washington gets the ball back and goes three and out. And I'm sure everybody watching TV, following on the internet and in the stands was going to say, well, they were saying, here we go again. Yeah, they definitely were on the message boards, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, th- this, I don't know. They, they give up a sack. That kind of put them behind the chains, I think, early, and then, um, and then they ended up throwing three passes. And and I remember saying to, I think I said it to George, why are they passing? Why don't why not just run the ball and see what you can do? So um, they got back to a little bit more of that, and uh, really, and I put it in my uh, game analysis. But I think the play of the game, the turning point of the game, was the fifty-seven yard pass from Brown or from uh, Eason to. Um, Terrell Bynum because that just really kickstarted the offense. I asked Jacob Eason about that, you know, what was his most memorable play today, and he he said that. He said it just kind of opened up the floodgates and and just got that offense rolling, and it was a big deal. But it looked like after that first series that Washington State's defensive backs didn't really have any answers for Jacob Eason. I kind of looked down at the stats. I was surprised. I, I thought Jacob Eason threw a lot more passes than he did, but he only threw 22. Well, I think it's because – 
Anthony Gordon threw like 62 passes. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably felt like there was nothing but passes going on today. I just wanted to remark quickly, Kim, on, on your uh, comment about how Washington State took the ball, which I didn't find surprising at all. I mean, they're, they're an offensive team. That's what they do. But I was thinking, who was the last team that won the toss against Washington and took the ball and just did their thing was Stanford. And I was thinking, okay, and you laid it out, Scott. You know, they, they take the ball, they score, then all of a sudden Washington just looks just horrible on the first series, and you're thinking, yep, here it is. This is, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be just like Stanford all over again. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I started to mentally prepare myself um, for another loss like we've seen this season. But I was really impressed with the way that uh, defense kind of sti- uh, stiffened up after that three and out by uh, the dogs. And then, yeah, like we talked about, that big pass play from Eason just really opened things up. And then seeing Eason sneak it into the end zone was great. You can tell he's really fired up after that. Uh, I think after after that 7-7 seven, seven, uh, and then the – was it 10-7 or, or no, 14-10 yeah. maybe? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I don't speak for just myself when I'm saying – we were starting to get a little more comfortable as fans, at least at that point, a little bit, you know. And, and Scott, it, um, you know, Washington State, when you take a look at the number of plays they ran, uh, they ran 82 plays versus Washington 51. But, I mean, they were just punt, throwing little quick short passes. Was there any ball downfield that traveled over 20 yards in the air? I don't think so. I don't think so. Look at the stats. What was their long pass? Well, yeah, but that was a catch and a run. Right, but that's the point. The point is they didn't throw anything. I I said, was there anyone where the ball traveled 20 yards in the air? Right, but I I think it was a rhetorical question because you – no. I mean, they're the longest pass that they had was a catch and run. Yeah, you know, so um, they're not – it – I, I, it made me a little insane at times just with the amount of time that he had to throw, especially early. Um, but he seemed to have a lot of time to throw. But this is a team where they had over 600 passes so far this year. They threw it 62 times. They'd only had 13 sacks so far this year. Mm-hmm. Washington had five today. Yeah, that was great to see. And me and Scott were saying it's it can be frustrating as fans to watch um, the Cougs just do their thing, eat up clock, you know, dip and dunk you all the way down to the red zone. And then that's where the dogs defense really took over and, you know, held them to field goals and, and turned the ball over. So that was good to see. But yeah, it's just it's, sometimes it'd be tough to watch them just t- take up all that time and move the ball. So, well. you know what it reminded me of, Kim? It reminded me of when Arizona came here and played with Nick Foles. And I, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts until the end of the game when Washington was able to pull it out. But but that game, they literally were throwing those screens to the side like all night, and Washington couldn't do anything to stop them. Well, somebody asked you know Chris Peterson you know post game if you know Washington State did anything different. He goes, they do what they do. I mean, it's the same offensive game plan. It doesn't change, you know, and it's almost the same where. Jimmy Lake took, you know, it's been the same game plan for him for the last five years. You know, how much of a game plan did they plan? Nothing. They just pulled out the one from last year and the year before and the year before because it seemed to work. Well, why, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's bottom line is, is if you can get control of the line of scrimmage with three guys on five offensive linemen, you win every single down. You're going to, even if they get a first down, even if they get five, six yards of play, you are winning. Because you're eliminating their big play. And Anthony Gordon, if you, if you went back and looked statistically at all of the recent quarterbacks under Mike Leach in that air raid offense, he is the one by far was more aggressive than anyone else going down the field. 
and Washington was just like, nope, we're not having any of that. If you're gonna if you're gonna have drives, you're gonna have 15, 16 play drives that go 80 yards every single time to score, and that seemed to work well. And, and uh, Scott, it just seemed like when Washington State did did break a long play, it seemed like they were blitzing. How much time were they spending in their base uh, nickel and dime? The Huskies? Yeah. Um, I would say they were in dime probably 80-ish percent of the time, 75% of the time. Nickel, part of the time. And then, I mean, they, they had like – Three or four offensive or defensive linemen in there. They had a couple times where they had linebackers in there, but for the most part, it was six, six or seven DBs. Yeah, it seemed like you know. Tell me about the personnel groupings because I, it looked like Kyler Manu and uh, Brandon Wellington started the game. Manu it wasn't didn't no, play. Ulafosio. It it Manu was Ulafosio. Yeah, no, Manu didn't play. I don't that I remember. I don't remember Kyler Manu playing at all today. Yeah, and Ulafosio had a big game, by the way. Yeah, yeah. he did. He did. He had uh, I think it was twelve, sixteen tackles. No, so that was no, Wellington. No, oh no, that sorry, that was Wellington. Yeah. He had, uh, Eddie Ulafosio had uh, twelve tackles, twelve tackles, one and a half for loss, and uh, excuse me, one sack, one and a half sacks, and uh, two tackle for loss. But um, you know, just a you talk. Can you talk just a little bit about more of the scheme? And if, if did you see anything different? Did they run the defensive ends out wide and leave nope. the middle open today? Not at all. No. Nope. I, I, in fact, I commented to those guys at halftime. I was thinking, I'm wondering if they're going to run that scheme where they basically vacate the entire middle of the defensive line. They never did that. They never showed that once today. No, they they played it straight up. I mean, it was pretty straight up. They they played it. Uh, Keith Taylor was basically playing um, a uh, a uh, safety spot for the most part. Um, Elijah Molden was kind of doing the same thing on the other side. Uh, Miles Bryant, I think, what he did, he come down and play the slot a few times. That was a little different, and yeah, and much. he didn't come down nearly as much yeah. as I thought he would. No, he really. Well, uh, yeah, well, one thing I was I was thinking was kind of a key to the game was uh, aside from a few missed tackles, maybe from Wellington and uh, maybe a couple DBs. I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job bottling up. Some of those receivers, after they'd catch it on the run, you know, they just they didn't get too many yards after the catch, except for in open space. So I thought we did a good job open field tackles, making tackles to stop stop the runners. So that was good. We'll go down the stat sheet a little bit more, but I think the stats, you know, that really jump out at me and pretty much tell the story of the game is when you take a look at red red zone chances. Washington State had five chances in the red zone. Washington had five chances. Uh, Washington State was only able to score on three of the five. And out of those five chances, only one touchdown. Washington, on the other hand, four out of five. So Washington got it done in the end, in the red zone. Washington State failed to get it done in the red zone, Scott. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Max Borgie got the, the first touchdown for Washington yeah. State, and everyone's like, oh, here he goes, because he said he was going to score a lot in the Apple Cup. That was the only time he got even close to sniffing the end zone after that. Many, he had as many touchdowns as he had tackles. So, yeah, just and just taking a look at some of the stats, you know, that jump out at you. Washington State had 27 first down. Washington only had 16 uh, total net yards passing. Washington State with 308. Washington with 244 total net yards. Pretty close. Washington State with 339. Washington with 342. Uh, time of possession. 
you know, and Coach Pete said time of possession in these types of games don't mean anything. It was the first quarter, which was a little bit frustrating, where Washington State had the ball 11 minutes, uh, Washington 11 minutes, 9 seconds, Washington only 3 minutes and 51 seconds, but they got the ball in the opening kickoff, and Washington went 3 and out on their first uh, third down conversion. Again, a little bit of an issue for Washington, only 2 of 8 on third downs. Um, Washington State was 8 of 14, but it seemed that Washington seemed to do it when it mattered. Do you want me to go down to the personal stats, or you want to comment on any of those? Personal stats, Max Borgie had uh, 10 carries for 50 yards. Anthony Gordon, 48 for 62 for 308 yards um, with a long of 24. He had two interceptions, but he also was sacked five times. Leading receiver? Max Borgie, 12 for 58. When you take a look at Washington's side of the ball, Savon Ahmed had 16 carries for 85. Richard Newton, 9 for 17. Jacob Beeson, real efficient day today, 15 of 22 for 244. Uh, no interceptions. He had a long of 57 to Terrell Bynum. Hunter Bryant was your leading receiver with six carries for 90, six catches for 96 yards. Terrell Bynum, uh, three catches for 77 yards, a touchdown, and uh, a long the 54-yard pass as well. But, boy, you take a look at some of these defensive stats, Scott, they really jump out at you. Brandon Wellington had 16 tackles. Uh, Elijah Molden had 14 tackles. Well, they're throwing the ball a lot, and he had a tackle for loss as well as an interception. Uh, Eddie Ulafosio had 12 tackles, one-and-a-half sacks, two tackles for loss. And Joe Tryon seemed to make it the big plays when it matters. He only had four tackles, but he had two sacks um, and two tackle, two and a half um, tackles for loss. So, um, And then total tackles. This is kind of a number that jumps out at you. Uh, Washington State only had 54 tackles. Washington had 75. Well, right. They ran 81 <laughs> plays, right? That's yeah. what you said in the beginning. Yeah. So it's going to make Washington's defensive stats look phenomenal, but that's because they had to tackle a lot of guys. Yeah, big day. You know, just as impressive as those passing numbers were for Anthony Gordon, those uh, tackle numbers were pretty uh, impressive for Washington. And, you know, tackling's been an issue this year. Scott, how were they today? I, well, early on, they weren't very good. They, they were out of position. They took some bad angles, but – after I would say the after the first quarter, basically they were on it, and um, that was what each each of the defensive players that we talked to after the game said. It's when they we let them make the catch, and then you rally up and you you make the tackle, and you need to make sure that you're being physical at the tackle, and that's why they were able to force that turnover in the was it third no fourth quarter early in the fourth quarter when Washington State got down. Kind of inside, where was that? About the 20-yard line, somewhere around there? Are you talking about the McDuffie yeah. pick? No. The, or are you the talking the about fumble. the fumble? Yeah. The yeah, fumble. that was in the fourth quarter. And that that would have been another – that would have been a, a scoop and score situation. So it kind of stunk because it took us seven points off the board for the Huskies. But One of the guys who I thought had an outstanding game, Trent McDuffie, um, had a forced fumble as well as an interception. How high of a level is he playing at right now? Uh, yeah, it's good to see him. Uh, starting lineup, uh, I was saying, mentioned to Scott that he got young guys on the field still for defense, which is great to see. Um, but yeah, it was funny. He almost had two picks today until, uh, was it Molden who came over yeah. and, and stole that ball from him? Uh, could have had a chance for McDuffie to, to take it back a few yards. But yeah, great to see him out there making plays. Big time interception for, you know, 30 yard return, I think. So yeah, I was going to say the biggest thing for me is you've got guys in front of him and Kyler Gordon and Dominique Hampton that could be playing corner right now and they're not playing corner right now he's 
true freshman playing corner, he's showing his worth. Yep. And it, Jimmy Lake is, is clearly showing a lot of trust in him. Yeah, you know, and he's Kyler Gordon started the year, and then uh, Trent McDuffie took over. So um, it's good to see that he's playing at such a high level. Uh, Miles Bryan, I thought, had a hell of a game out there, too. I think it's pretty obvious he's been the leader of the defense all year, and I think he led the team in trash talking today, too. He seemed to be having fun out there. I don't know. Kyler Gordon was the one that got the, the personal foul, the unsportsmanlike conduct at the end of the game. So. I didn't see what that was for. Just, I'm sure he just – Talked to little John at the end when they were already up and they were getting the ball and all that good stuff. What's wrong with that? <laughs> ask an official. Don't ask me. Yeah. Uh, going back over to the offensive side of the ball, Scott, I started to get a little concerned. Jackson, Kirkland, it was interesting. Pete said if NFL game, he probably would have played, but this isn't the NFL. It's college football. So Jackson Kirkland didn't play, and uh, Henry Bain of all, he sure seemed to struggle on that first series. Oh, yeah. He struggled quite a bit, I would say, on several series. It took took him a while to really get his feet under him. And that's, one of been, that's been one of the knocks on him since he arrived at the University of Washington was not his ability his talent, his his physical uh, side of things. It's the, been the mental side, just picking up the protections and all that different stuff. They're going to have to get him going because, I mean, next year he could be your starting left guard. He could be your starting uh, right tackle or your left tackle. I mean, he's got he's probably the most talented offensive lineman they have right now on the field. But if he can't get it done, you know, with you know mentally, then that. That really, no, who cares if he's the best guy? The running game. Um, if there's any faults that I can point out today, uh, they struggled against with the running game, and I thought that was something they should have been able to really get going today. Eight in the box. Eight in the box. That's what was basically Wazoo said. If you're going to beat us, you're going to do it throwing the ball. And Washington answered the answered the bell. Um, but you could see it, man, when they when they were running a counter play. Washington had one guy over to block on the right side, and they were and the Cougs were bringing two guys. You're never you're not going to be successful doing that. So I was going to say too, um, kudos to Bush Hamden for sticking with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Savon Ackman still got 85 yards mm-hmm. against the stack box. It's good. It's good hard running. But I, three yards of carry. Right. But I will tell you the reason why I think it was so effective was because in terms of the overall game plan, it opened still opened everything up. The way they were able to use the tight ends off of some of that stuff, the 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 um, the screen to Otten was immense. It was such a great call at that time. It worked perfectly. Um, you know, just the stuff that they were able to throw to to Hunter Bryant uh, and all and also Otten. I mean, it just really showed that you got to stick to it, even if it's even if it just doesn't feel like it's clicking and you're just not getting the yards that you should. It's going to pay off. It's like Novocaine. Eventually, it's going to it's going to, you're, it's going to hit, and it's it's going to you're going to feel it because, you know, it just worked. It just worked, and and, and I'm glad he did. I, I'm glad he he stayed with it because he had to. This has got to be you know you'll have to go back and take a look at the snaps. But is this the lowest amount of plays that this team has run this year? It might be close. I don't know. I think you, I think Stanford might be close as well. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. How you doing over there, George? 
I am just thrilled. I'm very excited about that seventh win in a row and ending the regular season on a good note is critical after this season. So, yeah, I'm doing great. Remind, I was going to say, remind people where you're from. I'm from Spokane, again, so got a lot of Coug fans, you know, back at home. I'll, I'll be having some fun chats with this uh, winter break. A lot of people following me, me on social media who are diehard Cougs, so I just love rubbing it in. It's a good, uh, good place to be for a dog fan. This is your fourth Apple Cup? Uh, he, at, at UW? Yeah. It's just my second, yeah. So what's, uh, what's celebrating tonight on campus going to be like tonight, George? Oh, it's going to be wild. Just like it was this morning, man. The alley, I don't know if you guys know about the alley back there on 47th, I think. It's, oh, it was packed, and tonight should be even more. So What's your plan? What are you going to do tonight, you George? You know what? I'm going to go have a, a, a good meal with, with my family at, before they take off back to Spokane, and then... We'll see where the night takes me from there. <laughs> I asked Nick Harris, you know, last game at Husky Stadium, big win at the Apple Cup, what he was going to be doing tonight. And he's trying to tell me he was going to go home and study for a paper he had to write. You buying that? We'll see, we'll see about that one, Brick. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, too, people people need to make sure they check out Jake Browning. He yes, finally tweeted yes. once he's since April, and it happened to be in the fourth quarter of uh, the game today. And he uh, he had a picture of himself. Watching the game, you could see his feet, and he was like kicked back for the fifth straight year in the fourth quarter, watching the Huskies win, which I thought was a that was very frosty. That was a that was that was kind of classic Jake Browning shit. I love it. I love him just showing his love for the dogs still, and just chirping off at the at the at the Cougs. Yeah, that's a wonderful time to tweet for the first time after however long it was. Jake kind of reminds me of Brandon Roy. Neither one of them say much, but when they do, it's usually right in the nose. Oh no, <laughs> he, he, it, that's yeah. That one was like. I, I guarantee you every Washington fan that saw that was just howling in laughter because it huh. it does kind of represent a little bit of how dominant they've been under him when they played. And then obviously tonight in the fourth quarter, today in the fourth quarter, it, it was probably a little closer for comfort than obviously Washington fans would ever want it to be. But at the same time, it did it ever really truly feel like Washington State was going to Maybe they were going to get close, but were they ever going to overcome? I mean, they kick that Washington kicks that twenty-two yard field goal to go up three scores, and you have to think that that's yeah. it's in the bank by then. So, what was better, the uh, tweet by uh, Jake Browning or Mike Leach's post-game comments, Scott Browning? No question. <laughs> I expect that crap out of Leach when he gets frustrated. Well, explain explain yourselves. Uh well, if you want to, I mean, hang. if you're going to put it on the podcast, no, Kim, yeah. Well, it's out there. I mean, you'll see it on the site. We're putting a story up on that, right? We're not not a story. It's, it's, we already embedded it. Okay, it's out there. I mean, you'll see it. But it's uh, on the game wrap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, just a great overall win today. Um, I think, like I said, you know, I think early on we were a little bit concerned, and then Washington seemed to just kind of pull away. I know a lot of fans get frustrated when Washington State just seems to be marching it down the field, but boy, it just seems like they get in the red zone and. Okay, they can march it down to the brick wall, which seems to be the 20-yard line, and then Washington State just can't seem to get beyond that. Yeah, I mean, this is par for the course. You know, I, I mean, what, you said it a little bit earlier. It just it seemed like the basically the last seven years. You know, it seemed like somebody just hit play again. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> and Chris Peterson and play. Chris Peterson said it in his postgame, guys. I mean, flat out, he goes, "They do what they do," and. And it's been it's become very very obvious that Mike Leach is super stubborn about this. 
He's just going to run it, and they'll take what they're given. But they clearly don't have enough to get over the line all the time. I mean, they have enough to get over once or twice, but that's about it. And it's, and, and Washington is literally like, you, you take all the yards you like. Because, again, Peterson said at the end, he goes, this ain't about yards, guys. This is about points. And when it comes down to it, we're not going to give you a lot of points. And that's just the way it worked out. And is it going to work out that way next year? I'm going to bank on it. I'm going to keep banking on it until something changes. Because if Mike Leach doesn't change, Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake sure the hell ain't going to change. Why would they? What did Rocky Balboa say? If you could change, I can change. We can all change. But uh, Mike Leach ain't going to change. But oh, Why uh, would he? I mean, he, he, he gets it done like six, seven games out of the year, and that, that seems to be good enough for whatever, and that's good. Scott Eklund, final thoughts. Great way to get, end the regular season. Uh, propels you into the mid-year signing period, which comes up, starts on December 18th. There's going to be two or th- – uh, was it two – recruiting weekends that they have before signing day they're going to be really busy and that's what i'll be focusing on here over the next couple weeks um and then it propels you it gives you confidence heading into that bowl game as you're preparing and everything like that and uh you know we'll see who they end up where they end up going and who they end up playing because that could be a pretty fun matchup if some of the things work out enter george johnson final thoughts before you go hit your party on on uh, the alley uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a really positive way to end the season. As Scott was talking about, great momentum going into next year, going into the bowl game. Um, you know, they had both the Red Box and I think the Holiday Bowl guys here tonight. That was uh, interesting to see. I think, you know, no Washington fan can be too disappointed about the Holiday Bowl at this point. So we'll see where that ends up. But yeah, just, I mean, it took a roller coaster of a season. And you can always count on the Apple Cup to end something on a good note. So yeah, good stuff. Good to see. Chris Fetter's final thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I did talk to the Holiday Bowl rep. Um, they would love, I think they would love Washington if it comes down to it. I just kind of got that sense. I think they've always liked Washington when they've come down. I think they've always uh, really appreciated that the fan base travels. And I think San Diego at the end of December, I don't think anyone's going to call that a problem. Um, but as far as the game itself, very much a microcosm, I think, of the year. Just spells where there was just a lot of inconsistent play on both sides of the ball but they were able to, to knit it together and make it work for the full 60 minutes. And again, I don't know how much of that is because Washington was able to overcome some things, or if that is, again, just Mike Leach's stubbornness offensively and, and getting his quarterbacks to try to maybe force some things a little bit later in the game when they get behind, and then all of a sudden they turn the ball over. It just feels like it's a formula that is so played out. Uh, over there, I'm just shocked that they don't try to change something a little bit different for this game. But they are who they are, and you know Peterson said they run that pure style air, air raid, and they're not going to change it. So that just means more wins for the Washington for Washington in the Apple Cup. So I guess long may it continue. Yeah, as far as the bowl game goes, um, I think the Holiday Bowl is an outside chance. I still think that they would rather have USC. They can't USC can't? They have to go to the Alamo Bowl. Uh-huh. They can choose. They have to. They yeah. No, they Here's have to. Here's the deal. On the field, everybody was saying Holiday Bowl, yeah. period. That's well, what everybody but the, the, only, the, only reason I'm t- the only reason I say that is because when you look at the conference records, Alamo Bowl has to take the third-place team. I mean, again, this is all assuming Utah and, and Oregon make New Year's Six games or a playoff game, whatever. But because USC is so far ahead in the conference standings, not the overall standings, but the conference standings, they are more than one game ahead. And because of that, 
Alamo Bowl is contractually obligated to take them. Yeah. So then after that, it's Holiday, Redbox, Vegas, Sun Bowl. They can take whoever. Yeah, and I'm I'm here, and it's I mean my source. I'm not going to throw my source under the bus. But. Almost did. <laughs> Almost did. But uh, outside chance at the Holiday Bowl and uh, Red Box Bowl would probably be second in line, and uh, Vegas Bowl would probably be third in line. Um, you know, just uh, that's what I'm hearing, and I'm sure we'll hear more stuff as the days go on. So um, we have to wait until we have to wait until after the Pac-12 championship game, right? Yeah. 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 Well, because they got to get. They have to figure out where they're going, and then the dominoes fall from there. Yeah, so um, just a couple of programming notes. Monday, um, there's a basketball game against South Dakota or South Dakota State. I think it's South Dakota. South Dakota, I think. Yeah, and then Wednesday, um, Eastern Washington um, on uh, Wednesday night. Radio show Wednesday night, if you're not watching the basketball game, starting at about 6.20. Scott Eklund, um, Brandon Huffman, live in studio. We'll be talking a lot of recruiting for those uh, not watching the basketball game. So, Or you can have the basketball game on and turn it the sound down and listen to us. Yeah, just lots of stuff going on. Expect recruiting to pick up here a little bit now that we've got the season over with. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. It's been a long week. It's been a long couple weeks, you know, after the loss to um, Colorado. I know the fan base can get disappointed. And, uh, boy, if they were only disappointed, it wouldn't be so tough. But some of the anger out there is a little bit tough to deal with. So, you know what? Season's over. We'll look forward to the bowl game. And then basketball season, spring football won't be that far around the corner. And then uh, we'll just start all over again. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds, along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Earn Turn, George Johnson, who will be hitting the alley tonight. Go dogs.